All right. Hello, everybody. We're back. I'm David Sun. He's Tom Sazna. This is Truth or Skepticism, Trade Busters Edition. How are you, Tom? I'm good, David. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How was that? I, I've been meaning to do that the whole week. <laughs> like I said, this is going to be tongue-in-cheek and a uh, big fan of the podcast. And uh, like I said before, Air, just want to sit down, take a chance and talk about certain ideas that have been floating around, call it misconceptions or skepticisms. And uh, just to step back a little bit, you know, it's been a little while since we've spoken, just kind of catch up. Obviously, I was last time we spoke um, kind of in detail was 2019 when I came on in Rising Star. And uh, at that time, you know, I had originally reached out because, you know, I had really gotten my start with options sort of accelerating my learning curve with Tasty Trade, you know, and from finding you guys in 2017 to being able to start my own hedge fund, which I didn't talk about on air at the time. But, you know, I'd, I'd been one year into running a hedge fund. Now I'm four years in now. And even though I, I kind of see that success for myself, I really credit what I've been through from finding Tasty Trade, right? Even though the people who follow me and listen to my podcast may not have, uh, they may not see what I do exactly as the prescribed Tasty Trade methodology or whatever, but I always credit, you know, the ideas, risk tolerance, adjusting the concepts and basics, right? I always see that as kind of the roots, right? And I do a lot of active engagement with the retail community and with my podcast and everything. So, um, and the reason for, idea for this show is like because of that engagement with the retail i'm on twitter you know i post different things and you hear stuff online right and sometimes people you know obviously nobody is going to find something and always have a runaway success there's always going to be kind of the the failures or people who don't do well but sometimes the reason people don't do well may not be you know tasty trades fault or whatever it is that things happen right and so you know you hear stuff online and just want to bring some ideas to the forefront and i said no wrong answers and uh, I just want to kind of talk about certain things and just give your chance, uh, give you a chance to give your perspective. And then, you know, I yeah, will kind of give yeah. my perspective on certain ideas too. Hey, 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 I've never been one to be too quiet. So fire away. You're going to get some, you're going to get some brutally honest answers from me. So um, go ahead, fire away, man. Okay. And, and just to kind of set the stage first, um, you know, you've mentioned in the past, the idea of People who find Tasty Trade, there's always going to be a distribution of outcomes, right? There's going to be the 15% who knock it out of the park, 15% who kind of are abysmal failure, right? And then the rest kind of fall in the middle, right? So to set the stage first, like, what is your kind of ideal vision for the outcome of someone who finds Tasty Trade? That top 15%, like the ideal best case scenario, what what would that be in your mind? Well, it's it's a it's an interesting. It's an interesting topic because the the ideal situation um, and and one of the reasons that we built Tasty is is not just about trading. It's there's way more about it. It's about it's about decision making. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about business. But if you're thinking about and you can use yourself as an example or use me, I don't care, whatever. If you're thinking about life and wealth creation opportunity right all the it doesn't it doesn't mean material stuff doesn't mean everything to everybody and there's plenty of people that have committed themselves to much different paths in life but but for a few of us and and for actually a large majority of us there there is a kind of a consensus on what we call wealth creation things like that tasty to me is giving the people that that Let's call it figure it out. Now, that's not a great term, but it's for lack of a better term. Sure. 
but to give them the opportunity for asymmetric returns. And when I say asymmetric returns, that's, those are life returns. Like I believe that Tasty affords, and maybe it's people like you, maybe it's people like me, maybe it's whatever. I believe what we've done is we've created probably the only vehicle I've ever seen that that's free, that where we basically provide content, um, probabilistic, quantitative, statistical ideas, optimization, and mechanics for asymmetric opportunity. So you go back to that distribution curve you just talked about, where let's say 13, 14, 15, 16% of the people fall on both ends of a normal distribution curve, and 68% of the people fall in the middle, right? On half of those 68%, 34% are below average, 34% are above average. But the ones on the outside, the ones in that little like, you know, outside of one or two standard deviations. On the downside, you can only go to zero. Right. On the upside, you have the potential for asymmetric returns. And what we do is we provide that kind of engagement, that kind of incentive, that kind of those kinds of mechanics. And I think that that is incredibly, let's put it this way. I don't know anybody else in the world that's ever done that before. That's the beauty and kind of the wonder of Tasty. Okay. No, sure. And and again, that's that top 15% that's idealized, but let's bring it back to what do you think is the realistic outcome, right? What do you think is the normal outcome for the, the middle 70%? Yeah. I mean, listen, I try to provide as much as like, we don't target a specific person or audience or demographic or anything like that. So I don't know what the, you know, what I try to do is to create as push as many people to the positive side of that, you know, the 50%, wherever that middle, where, wherever that mean or median is, wherever that number is in the middle, you know, I, I don't know what that number is. I don't know if it, if it starts at 42%, I don't know if it starts at 52%, but wherever that number is, I try to push people towards the high end of the curve. And that is an extraordinary task. It's, it's, and it's, and it's, and the genesis of it and the, um, the effort behind it, that's totally on us. Like, like we're not sitting here saying, Hey, this is what you're supposed to do. I think, and you're a perfect kind of reflection of that. We didn't sit there and say, Hey, this is how, these are the only things you can do to make money. This is the best. And we just basically said, Hey, here are a set of mechanics that we've created a think tank around to help you make decisions faster and with more with a with a more of a probabilistic outcome in your favor. That's it. And you take it from there. You know, you make it happen. Okay, perfect. And and those first two questions, I, I worded that in kind of a specific way. And so I'll circle back to that at the end if we have a chance and kind of give my view on what I think and kind of what I look to do yeah. with my pockets and everything. But uh, you speak about mechanics and like, you know, again, like you hear stuff floating around online may not be true, may be true. But for people who say like, okay, tasty trade, all the, it's just about selling premium. That's all they talk about. They don't focus on risk. Like what, what would you say to that? Or what would your response? Well, I would be? say that that's just like a typical bullshit answer from people that haven't spent any time on tasty trade. The, the concept of risk is like, you know, risk really bothers me because, because to me, risk is just a function of size. It's nothing else. Like if you believe that markets are efficiently priced, like I do, and I'm sure at this point you do as well, markets are efficiently priced, then really what is risk? 
risk is risk is you know how much are you willing to bet on this idea are you willing to bet on this opportunity are you willing to bet on this strategy so risk is managed up front and the idea of risk beyond that is kind of idiotic to me it's the same thing as hedging you know who cares I don't care about risk. I don't care about hedging because you make that decision up front when you when you put whatever it is you're doing, when you make your bet or you take your make your trade or you sense that opportunity and you do something about it. That's where you decide how much risk you're willing to take right there. You know, like like I can make an argument for basically any strategy that you want to do or any methodology you want to employ. But risk is just a function of how much of your capital are you willing to commit to an idea. And most people don't understand risk because they commit too much capital and they don't really get the game. Look, the 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 game that we play, and this is what, look, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to waste my time, I'm not going to waste your time talking about like, you know, some anonymous troll on the internet who doesn't like, you know, the fact that I sell premium or I look at the world differently than him or her or I think differently. You know, my answer to that person is, fuck you, I don't even care. Like do your own fucking thing and don't waste, you know, our stuff's free. If you don't like it, turn it, turn it off. You yeah. Know, just, no. but, 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 you know, my approach to those people is listen, I mean, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm an, I'm a nice person and I treat, and you know what I do. I give right. away everything I got, but if you don't like it, fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. But I look at, I look at, you know, what we do and I think about it as my focus in order for, for you, you know, to be in order for David to be successful long term and create wealth, you know what you have to be? You need longevity. Right. You need you need to be able to play the game for a long freaking period of time. You need to be able to come back every single day. There is David, the difference between success and failure among smart people in in efficient markets is marginal. Meaning there may be a one, two, three, no more than a 5% difference, no matter what you do, because theoretical pricing is so symmetrical and it's so perfectly, you know, everything's so perfectly figured out that there is no positive or negative edge. Everything is theoretically perfect. So what is the key to my success and to your success? It's longevity. It's being able to survive until the opportunity the best opportunity presents itself to you. That's really what this is all about. So we play a game of longevity, a game of survival. And people that don't get that, you know, listen, that's not my problem. Like, like, you know, like we we have helped, I believe that we've helped, you know, if it's not many, many hundreds of thousands of people, it could be as many as millions of people. I have no idea. But in that process, some people have, done really poorly. And on the other hand, some people have become multimillionaires, if not billionaires. So like, you know, do I have any regrets? Of course not. Because how you manage your, how you manage your risk or how you think about risk or any of that kind of stuff, you know, it's, this is about longevity. And I stress it all the time. The difference between success and failure is so marginal on a theoretical basis that, that the key is staying small, and waiting for the right opportunity, and it will come along, you know, whatever, along anybody's career path. And you have to be there to take advantage of that opportunity because you never know if it's going to happen in two years, 10 years. Like I didn't have the opportunity to build Thinkorswim 
until the 20th year of my career. I didn't build Tasty until my 30th year in my career. Like people that are looking for like, are you looking, if you're looking for a one hit wonder or an overnight wonder, you know, you're, you're dead. You're totally just, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do because it's not, life doesn't work that way. You have to pay your dues. You have to have longevity. And, you know, you can say whatever, anybody can say whatever they want about me, but I'm over four decades into this. So I'm on year 42 right now. I've got longevity. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense what you say, especially about because if, if there's edge to be had, it's it's, it's going to be small and it's about staying in the game and kind of compounding exactly. marginal edges, but over a long time. And and it's funny you mentioned about the uh, uh, the time it took to build Thinkorswim because, you know, for the hedge funds, I, I was scripting along with very little AUM and not making it by with the fees. It was in the third year that finally everything just kind of exploded into golf. So it, it seems like you just have to kind of grind it out. Um, and that trajectory. Um, hey, and- hey, life, life is, a, I mean, you can look at, there's, there's a gazillion cases, but you can use like the most, the most um, talked about or storied case would be Warren Buffett. I mean, it took him 50 years to get to a billion dollars and then the next, you know, 15 years to get to a hundred billion. Right. Right. And I was going to say, like, yeah. I mean, this is, this has always been in a theoretically efficient market. It's always about longevity and because the difference is so marginal, but those who are really successful, you know, stick to the mechanics and they wait for their opportunity. That's all it is. Yeah. And I was going to say like uh, the whole idea of selling premium, obviously that's sort of the, the engine of uh, our, our gains, right? The theta, right? But then I've thought about this in the past and people who say tasty trade doesn't talk about risk, whatever, but like all of the studies, you know, when you talk about, you know, why you roll at a certain DT, right? It's it's because of risk, right? Why you adjust at a certain delta, it's because of risk. And like, really, like, if you think about it, yes, the, the selling premium that's getting you into the trade, but that's just the beginning, right? All the other 90% of the research and content is about the adjustment or when to exit. And that's all, bec- that's all risk-based, right? It's, it's because of risk. It's why do we adjust? Why do we roll? Why do we do the, anything? The reason that's- we don't talk about risk as a primary uh, and we do talk about, you know, adjusting all the time and, you know, because we focus because talking about risk is stupid. That's like saying that's like saying before you get in a car, why don't you talk about crashing? You know, like like before you get an airplane, why don't we talk about crashing? Like it's the most ridiculous thing ever. You know, like that makes no sense to me. What you should talk about is how do you reduce like what we do is we talk about how do we reduce the chances of outlier risk? Because you really in this world, you know. I don't care if you make 100 trades, 1,000 trades, or 10,000 trades, okay? You're going to have a certain percentage of winners and a certain percentage of losers. It's it's unavoidable. So in the process of that, what are you trying to really avoid? You're trying to avoid outlier losses, right? That's the one thing you get hurt on. You don't get hurt on a regular loss because you have regular gains. You get hurt on outlier losses. So how do you avoid outlier losses? Well, the easiest way is you stay small. And we talk about that all the time. Stay small. The second way you avoid outlier losses is, you know, you use the appropriate methodology of managing the trades. So we do is we manage our trades early because you eliminate 99% of your outlier losses by managing your trades early. So people will say, okay, well, Tasty doesn't talk about risk. We don't talk about risk because there's nothing to talk about. Either if you stay small and you manage early, there's nothing to talk about. You've eliminated your outlier risk. Let's focus on the stuff that we can actually 
that can improve our returns. I hate people that talk about risk in the form of stop orders or listen, if I knew it was going to be risky, I wouldn't have put the trade on to start with. And if I want to stop myself out of every trade, I'd be out of business 38 years ago. So like I talk about the stuff that we should talk about. I don't talk about the stuff that conventional, that's, that's traditional talk about or that conventional people talk about because A, they don't trade and B, it's not worth talking about because it doesn't work. Yeah. You know what's interesting though? Kind of my perspective on, because you mentioned stop orders and obviously you don't want to put something on where, when you're not willing to take the loss and just stopping out and ending the trade. But for me, like, I almost view rolling as it's essentially a form of a stop, right? Because you're, you're adjusting, of right? Of you, course. You stop, you roll at 40, you know, 45 DT, roll at 21, that's a time stop. You roll at that's a certain right. delta. It's a, so th there's all stops. Everything's a stop. It's just more of how you use it. It's just a tool, you know? So that's just a way of adjusting exposure. 100% correct. In the process of doing that, you've eliminated your outlier risk. But then some some yo-yo will say, well, I sold one day to go SPX options and I couldn't get out in time. And I'm like, well, yeah. Okay. What do you want from me? You know, like, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where we're supposed to, you know, I don't feel this obligation. If, if you're not willing to go along with the mechanics that we've spent more time and money researching than anybody else in the world, that's not my freaking problem. You know, then, then first of all, none of it's my problem, but if you don't want to, if you don't want to deal with it, then, you know, listen, do your own thing. Hey, we tried. You know, and, and you mentioned the fact that obviously the, all the contents provide for free, you know, and there's no requirement that, you know, people have to use Tastyworks, right? The platform. And full disclosure, I for kind of administrative reasons for running our fund, we don't use Tastyworks, right? I love the platform. I, I still use it to look at the chain and adjust because it's just, it's so slick, right? That was one of the first ones. But on that note, like... Yeah, well, we're going to you know, have you killed just for that reason alone. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, the. You know, I mean, you should be on Tastyworks. We we should. I mean, we we try. I think we we try to get something with the the reporting or whatever. But what what I wanted to ask about it, and you're feeling on like people who say like the whole trade small trade often is just to get people to over trade and generate commissions for Tastyworks. Like, what what's your yeah? What, what would you like to say to other, I, other than it's crap? I, <laughs> I don't have. I mean. You know, we say trade small, trade often because trading small is the key to success and trading often is the key to diversifying right. and and to keeping yourself in the game. I mean, if people think it's to, there's no incentive for us to um, try to get people to just pay commissions because our business is based on your longevity as a customer. So what I have to say to people that say that is they're just idiots. Like they, I mean, like really, so I've spent 40 years for my business model to be that I can churn your account for two weeks. Like I'm not, a, I'm, this isn't spot FX. This isn't, we're not a commodities firm. Okay. We talk about our average size trade is average duration of trade is 45 days. Okay. Who does that? Like who would think about that? But, but, you know, more importantly, like it just, it kind of bothers me that, you know, that people that don't know us, that that's what they think when I've basically given up my entire life, you know, to support, um, to engage people in the world of finance. And we've committed, you know, uh, we've probably spent more money on free research than any major financial institution that includes like Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan and, and TD Ameritrade and Schwab and every single other firm in the world. 
I've probably spent more money the last 20 years. They've spent more money on marketing and I spent more money creating free research for customers all over the world. So people that say that stuff, you know, you, you talk smack like that and they talk shit. I don't care. I mean, they have no idea what we do. And, and for the people that really appreciate it, thanks. That's all yeah. I can say is thanks. Yeah. And, and I, I can kind of see where that comes from because, you know, I want to point out that small is relative. You know, if you're trading a, a Tasty Bites account and you just have to trade, you know, small in terms of notionally small, tight spread, small products, right? The fees are fixed, right? It's just, it's just going to seem larger. We have, a, we have a $10 cap. Right, so right. That's trading. Yeah. Even if you're trading a $100 million account, the most you can pay those ten dollars a trade. We're the, we have the lowest commissions. Yeah, and, technology and, we have in the whole world. So I can't listen. I mean, free apps are different, but most of the time you can't afford free because the technology is so bad. But with us, you get the best technology in the world, and and there's a ten dollar cap. So anybody that says we're doing it for the commissions, it's just it's just stupid. I mean, yeah, like I, it or not. But I don't like. I don't even normally respond to that stuff because I really don't give a crap. Like somebody can think like I don't read what people write about us because mm -hmm. I don't care. Because there's enough people, you know, there's there's a million people that love us. I don't care about the, you know, the few hundred or the few dozen that that don't. I mean, it's just, you know, there, there's a lot of haters out there and they're all anonymous. I don't really give a shit. Yeah, no, it's funny because, I mean, you don't read it, but obviously I read some of it. Right. And like they said, that's why I had the idea. Like, let's just, you know, hash it out, you know, and an idea, even if you didn't cap the commission, like, again, you, you know, something else, David, that's, and this guy be totally fair. There's a lot of scammers out there. Sure. And of the scammers of that are out there, there's a lot of people that just write negative stuff about us just so they can sell their own stuff. Like we, there was, we've dealt with over the years and we won't even respond to it. But over the years, we've dealt with different, uh, numerous sites that just write stuff about Tasty because we have the largest following in the world okay. when it comes to you know derivatives. And people will just write stuff on us because they're just trying to sell their own programs. And they'll write, oh, this is their stuff's all crap, you know, whatever. And who cares? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't care what people say. And then the the point I was trying to make was just you know with people who have a larger account like those fees kind of as a percent drop off anyway so I I really don't think that applies to to some extent once you train large products and making you know small relative to your account could be huge relative to you know somebody else so so I I think the the, the fee yeah, sure. argument really it's just a matter of perspective really that's what I was gonna say um, totally and we don't even charge people to close trades so I mean you can't bitch there we don't even, we charge zero. So on the idea of, you know, one of the main mechanics, right, the idea of rolling, right, and people who say you know, the whole idea of cut your winner short, you know, let the losers run, but then people will say, you know, rolling is just sort of a delusion, you, you know, keeping the dream alive, when in fact, getting a large, you know, you have all these small wins, but in a one large loss, it's going to wipe away all the profits, you know, what is, you know, what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, occasionally, you know, you'll have um occasionally you'll have you know five winners in a row and then you'll have one large loss that wipes it all out no question about it that's the nature of the game but hopefully you know more times than not and over time that's that's not the case you know to avoid large losers okay we we just talked about it you, you if you roll early you avoid most of your large losers the people that have large losers mostly are trading you know, one week or zero DTE options or one week options, or they're trading earnings. There's, it's not large losers are, um, uh, are rarely the longer duration trades. Now it does happen. You know, I had a large loser the other day. It was in, um, 
uh, what stock was it that opened? Da- Federal Express that opened last week, like down $50 or something, $60, you know, and, and there are situations where, you know, you'll end up with, you know, hey, I had a small strangle on in there and the thing opened down $50, nothing you can do to avoid it. Um, but there are other situations where, you know, you avoid most of the, most of those moves by just sticking to the mechanics. And I, listen, and that's the nature of the business we're in. There's a lot of picking up dollars in front of getting run over for, you know, a 20. But but in the end, it has to work out. You know, statistically, it n- needs to work out in your favor. And you wouldn't be managing a lot of money right now if it wasn't working out in your favor. So so it has to work out in your favor statistically. Um, otherwise, it, there would be no model to support taking the risk. Like, this is real simple. You know, risk-free returns are three or four percent right now, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to take risk in the markets and you're going to sell premium or whatever else it is, you have to have some the opportunity that makes some multiple over and above risk-free returns that's significant that justifies the risk. So, what number is that? Is that five x? Is it four x? Is it six x? You know, I would say it's somewhere in that neighborhood, four, five, six, seven x. And if you're talking about risk-free rates at three percent. Your number's got to be somewhere between, let's call it 15 and 25. You know, you have to have a reasonable chance at that. And you have to like your odds of getting there. Otherwise, it's not worth it. Yeah. And also, just to kind of give my perspective and from some of the stuff I do. And you mentioned, like you said, like people who trade short duration, you can't really get out of the way of that train, right? Because it moves too fast. So you guys do the whole 45 DT. And what I trade is more out in the 90 DT range, for example. And, and it's true, like most of the time, trades in a longer duration are going to move slower so you'll have a chance to adjust and rolling i think you're trying to say it for me i view it more as a way to adjust right it's more just managing exposure right you put on positions yeah you go against you you're just managing your deltas that's all it is it's a constant you're managing your deltas and keeping your theta where you want it to be that's all you're doing and then the other thing and just again to give some perspective I, i think sometimes now, if you're trading a smaller account and you're forced to just because of capital constraints only have like four or five positions, right? If two or three of them go against you, that's kind of the whole book is sunk, right? But when you have the capital to do, you know, a couple dozen positions and one or two go against you, you're kind of inventorying those losers. But the majority should kind of work out in your favor, you know, like with the taking the winners, 85, 90% win rate, you know, so you're kind of training the capital there. And it's kind of a balance between rolling and taking those. And, and I, I think you guys do say you don't roll forever. If something looks like it's, you know, your thesis has changed or the edge isn't there, the volatility is gone, right? There's no point necessarily to hold the position to infinity, right? Um, when you roll, there's kind of a, a thesis there or some reason to believe that the edge is still there or you'll be able to get it back to, you know, a scratch or a small win. Of course. I mean, you, you're you're just speaking our methodology. This is what we've, this is what we've been preaching for twenty some odd years. You know, like we're not we're not often some never never land suggesting, you know, you should you should buy at this support level, you should sell at this resistance level, you should buy at this cycle low, you should do this based on some, you know, subjective seasonality, or you should do something based on, you know, your interpretation of some fundamentals. We're just playing a straight you know, um, a straight mechanical um, optimization slash whatever you want to call optimization. 
If you think it's a mechanical edge, then it's a mechanical edge. If you think it's just optimizing your strategy, then fine, it's optimizing your strategy. But we're just playing a math game. It's just a, it's just probabilistic analysis. That's it. So you said uh, you guys are product agnostic and the idea of finding high IVR and selling premium when there's high IVR. So if people say, you know, if that's the only thing you're doing, there's, there's no rules, there's no analysis, you're, you're just selling high IVR, you know, with no discretion, you can't possibly make money. How can that win? You know, what, what's, uh, what do you have to say for that? Again, I mean, I feel bad for those people that think that there's something else to this game. I mean, listen, you can engage, I'm engaged in the world of finance because, because, you know, I read the news, I have my own opinions on everything. I think about everything as well. But when it comes down to trading, I mean, what do you think this is a game of? You think you know something because you looked at a stupid chart or you think you know something because you read the Wall Street Journal or you watched 15 minutes of some idiot on CNBC. I mean, the reality is that that if you if you if you look at what happens on the trading floors and you look at what happens, you know, trade wise, everything is just a function of order flow. That's all it is. And opportunity has nothing to do with what people think traditional opportunity is. Opportunity has to do with just levels of implied volatility. Opportunity has to do with levels of capitulation. And that's it. You know, and, and other people's emotion and reading other people's emotion. That's all there is to this game. There's nothing else to it. So the idea that there's something else there that we're missing is absolutely freaking ridiculous. I mean, I, nobody has watched the tape longer in there's in in the history. Nobody on this earth has watched more hours of S and P in the last forty years than I have because I never turn the screen off. I've just sit in front of a screen for forty some odd straight years, and nobody can tell me that anybody knows anything about anything. It doesn't happen. It's not possible. I think what people might be missing for whatever reason is the idea. You know, again, selling high IVR and selling premium. That's just the entry, right? That's just getting something on the book, right? The the nine the rest of the ninety nine percent of the mechanics and the details, that's what happens after, right? And then for me, like I don't, uh, I see the idea of looking for you know screening for high IVR, you know, that's sort of like a looking for opportunities. My approach is a little different. I tend to just do a daily entry on an SPX at a certain level, but at the end of the day, that's all just getting positions onto a book. Once that's on your book, what you do with that your rules for managing the exposure. I think that's really the 90% that makes the difference. I, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. So that that's kind of my my context. Um, and so you may not have said this directly, but like if someone says that you guys are trying to make it sound like it's quote unquote easy, options are easy, making money is, is easy. Now, I, I know to say, of course, that's not, no one's going to say making money is easy, but like what exactly do you want to present it as like, not easy, but like you guys obviously just want to make things more approachable, right? That's that's kind of, I guess, your perspective um, and why you do what you do. My answer to that is that, um, and this is a very key piece of our tasty trade philosophy. My job, David, is, and I, I view I view my role as two separate things. One, as a software creator. Um, and somebody that's been an innovator in the online brokerage business, I view my role as the facilitator of opportunity, meaning that I believe we should build technology that says, basically, here you go, David, whatever you want to do is at your fingertips. Like, I don't want to play God in, as far as what you can and can't trade, what strategies you can and can't use, 
you know, and all that kind of stuff. I just want to give you a piece of software that lets you do whatever it is that you want to do. And I want to provide you all the context and tools to be able to do that. That's my role as a software developer. Okay. As, as the creator of Tasty Trade, my role is very different. As the creator of Tasty Trade, and I, I, this is really important to me, I, I treat my role as I am the person or we are the people that make a very complex topic simple. Like to me, options, futures, derivatives, strategic investing scares the living crap out of 99% of the people. I view our role at Tasty is to make this, this particular complex topic simple. Does it work for everybody? No. Does it make it simple for everybody? No, but it makes it simple for a lot of people. We make complex topics in the world of finance simple. Does that mean that you know person A, person B, person C, everybody's going to go out and make money because we made it simple? Of course not. That's idiotic to think that. But do we at least present to you a level playing field in terms that you can take a complex topic and learn it yourself? And I think we do it better than anybody else in the world. So I have this, uh, well, not me, but I've heard this analogy or, or story of that kind of explains how I think people who follow the content or learn options, how they were able to use it afterwards. And th the story is like, so there's this large cruise ship and it's, you know, these are really complex. There's, there's this huge engine room and one of the cruise ship breaks down. They can't get the engines to start. And they're spending hours and hours trying to fix it. And they can't. So get they, they hire this technician to come in and he spends 20 minutes looking around he takes this tiny hammer and he hits this one spot. All of a sudden, everything starts working. And they're like, that's great. And he goes, all right, $20,000. And they're like, why are we going to pay $20,000 when you came in and spent 20 minutes looking around and just hit it with a small hammer? And his answer is, I spent 20 years learning about how these things work to be able to know to hit this thing with a small hammer. So you're not paying me for the 20 years, right? So you're not paying me for the 20 minutes. You're paying me for the 20 years. And so I view that as like, education and options is like there's this kind of hurdle to get over all the complex stuff but when you can get to a comfort level you can set up a strategy or trade in a way that may seem simple like every day i just put a trade on right i just sell high vr or every day i just got to check my deltas once and make an adjustment like the mechanics you know and this whole like idea of like this one two three recipe to make money like it can seem simple but behind all that is all the learning and all the confidence and all the education. And that's kind of how I view. And that's kind of what I try to do with my own podcast, for example. Um, but I think sometimes the outlook is just the expectation going in is like skewed, right? People expect like, I want to go in and be able to quit my job and right away make huge amounts of money. And I think maybe the expectation is not set properly in the beginning, which is why there's kind of these misconceptions. Everybody wants to hit a home run but a lot of people it's the whole concept of you know learn how to crawl before you can walk you know it's the concept of you know most people don't want to suffer before they sing the blues um there's a lot of you know there's there's a hundred analogies like that but um and 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 it's all fair you know um i i don't know what to say you know my I'm not sitting, I'm not going to sit here and try to defend, you know, all the people that have failed. I'm not sitting here to try to defend all the people that gave up. 
Um, I'm hoping that a small percentage of people that, and I think this is the case because I know the size of our followings and the size of the number of people that participate in our technology and our content and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a number of very smart people out there that have chosen to give it a shot and to try, you know, to try to learn, you know, some of the mechanics. You're one of those people um, to try to to try to create, you know, wealth through strategic investing. And I think what we have ultimately done and proven is that, you know, like I said earlier, we've created an incredible amount of entrepreneurs and wealth and very successful businesses in the world of finance and beyond. And I think, you know, one of the things people forget to sometimes forget to take away from the kind of the tasty era is that is that we have inspired a lot of people to go off and try something and take risk and try something on their own. We have inspired risk takers all over the world. Are people going to fail? Absolutely. Because that's just, those are the odds. People fail. But are there also going to be successes that never would have happened for? Listen, would you be where you are today if you had never, never saw Tasty? I mean, the answer is, I don't, we don't know, but maybe not. I don't think I would. I mean, for one. Okay, well, there, there. <laughs> yeah. And that's your answer. That's all you ever have to tell people is, listen, I don't know. Like, I don't go into this thing thinking that, oh, my God, I'm going to jump off a building if every single person is not successful. I go in this thing thinking, listen, some people are going to make it. And, and I'm very open about this. Some people are going to fail and some people are going to make it, but I'm going to inspire the next generation. And maybe it's you or somebody else that's going to carry the torch going forward. That's going to continue to inspire people to take risk and to build incredible stuff. So one thing I was wondering, I know like pretty much every single segment has that disclaimer, you know, the whole screen, you know, this is entertainment, education, not financial advice or whatever, but are there still certain liabilities and certain things you can't say or that kind of guide you to avoid certain things? Or are you pretty much free to just say whatever you want, present research, however you want? As Um, long as we're presenting research, we're, we're pretty, you know, I mean, we have to be careful about certain things, you know, and so, and we are, but generally speaking, we are, you know, protected by free speech and we're allowed to present whatever research, you know, I mean, our stuff is, I mean, listen, we have a team of PhDs, um, data scientists, physicists, mathematicians, mostly with PhDs. And, um, and this was not their business. I mean, I don't think any of these people went out and got their PhD because they thought they were going to be, oh, you know, doing research for Tasty Trade. But I've put together a think tank and, you know, we make a best effort to present material that nobody's ever done before, not because probably more than anything else is because it's really expensive to do and nobody else can see how you can get paid for doing it. You know, we figured out a model where I give somebody, unfortunately, you're not the perfect example because you're not trading on our technology, but for most people, and that reason you're not doing that is because you're managing money. We don't really support, you know, um, money managers per se. We support individual customers, but most people, what I found is we created a goodwill model. I give you something really special and hopefully you use our technology. That's a simple model. That's not asking too much. I wish life was like that. I wish everybody I could do something that was like that. Hey, you know what? I'll do this for you if you do this for me. 
It's it's a great way. It's it's a very powerful um, message to spread. It's healthy. It's not divisive like the crazy political world we live in now, and the and the and the crazy kind of global world we live in with so much hate. It doesn't. We we provide something that is a really strange model. It's a goodwill model. Hey, I'm going to tell you everything I know, and you figure out what to do with it. And and so. Like I said, you're you're mostly protected by by free speech as long as you know you're presenting research. And is that related to why you guys don't specifically talk about performance, or like what do you say to people who say why don't you talk about performance? Other, other than no, none of your business. It's a hundred percent. We don't do it because because there is such regulatory scrutiny on us that it's just it would be crazy for us. Like there's nothing to gain for us. We're not. I'm not trying to sit here and prove. Do I need to prove? You know that I've I've built two companies and sold them for a billion dollars. I've built. I've been trading for forty years. I make fifteen thousand trades a year. Okay, I think I do this because it's my, you know, because I hate it or I suck at it. You know, like, but I don't need to prove anything to anybody. I don't give a crap if you don't like. You know, if if you think I'm not good at what I do, I don't give a shit. What do I care? I don't have anything to prove. I give everything away. I'm not charging for anything. Right. right. If you don't like it, turn it off. Like, you know, like it really bothers me when people say, well, you know, he doesn't, we, first of all, we can't do a lot of stuff for all because we live in a very tight regulatory boundaries of what we can and can't say. And I don't want to cross that line. And second of all, I don't care. You know, like we don't even have paper trading here. So everything we do is real. And, and, you know, I mean, you know that, you know how our technology works. We don't even offer a you know a virtual platform so everything i do is real and you know an average day you know it's an average day for me is is probably 100 trades um wow and and you know i i don't know you know like i don't i don't really care if people think you know oh man he doesn't really trade or he doesn't this isn't really you know or he stinks or whatever like i've been again i was market maker for 20 years and i never worked for a firm my first job i ever had was when TD Ameritrade bought out Thinkorswim. That's the first time I ever received a paycheck in my life. So like, I don't care. I've been eating what I kill for 40 freaking years. And if that's not good enough for somebody, find somebody else. I don't care. So what I wanted to add to that was for me being, uh, I operate under private solicitation. So I can't talk about performance anyways in public. But okay, So why does through- that surprise you about us? Right, right. And what I was going to add to was through, you know, my podcast and kind of my educational outreach, you know, there's certain portions of my strategy where I'm very transparent about and I post kind of logs and I give exact details. But again, because I can't talk about performance, I kind of obfuscate or I kind of make sure. the, the the size standardized to try and more educate on what the strategy would do. And, and people can take it and kind of trade it as, as size or scale it up or down, you know, but for, for various reasons, like, I always want to get a point across is like people will ask me like how much can I make trading your strategy right like, what am I supposed to make and I'm like whoa how much do you want to make you know it's like you can trade it double the size and have twice the returns twice the volatility or and, and so I've realized now like sometimes the context really makes a difference right it, it, you're trying to give tools right you're not totally. trying to give an exact roadmap of totally. hey here's how to make 10 percent 20 percent you know so you know I, I kind of get listen, that listen, I'll, context. Give you a, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example like if I want to go out this morning, or just as an example, and and let's say I want to do a five lot iron condor in Tesla, all right, my risk is probably three hundred dollars. 
But on the same side, this afternoon, if there was a great opportunity to market or something, and I wanted to risk a million dollars, because I've done that plenty of times in my life, if I wanted to risk a million dollars, I would do that. Do you think I really want to go out and tell the world that I'm risking a million dollars this afternoon? Or do you think I really want to go out and say that I'm, you know, that in the morning I did a five lot Tesla iron condor in the afternoon, I took a million dollar shot in the S and P's. Like, what do I have to gain from that? Like, that's just me personally. Like, I don't really, that doesn't, my ego doesn't need that. Like I got enough of an ego and I want my legacy to be, Hey, he was a really good entrepreneur and he, and he helped a lot of people. He was a good person. I don't really give a crap if I make a million dollars or $5 million on a trade or I lose $28. Like, you know, every trade I do, I want to make money. And I don't do things that just to be stupid or anything like that, but I don't really feel the need to talk to people about what I'm doing. If I'm risking a hundred thousand in the next 15 minutes, or if I'm risking, I don't want to be a sideshow. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that crash in a NASCAR race that people are waiting for. That doesn't, that doesn't turn me on. That doesn't do anything for me, you know? So, so I just try to trade, you know, consistently and do my thing and it's nobody's business. That's it. All right. Um, a couple more topics before I wrap up. Uh, one, you know, if people that just generally say, you know, tasty trade way doesn't work. Right. And, and that's not the question, but like for you, like, is there a way that you can simplify and encapsulate what is the quote unquote tasty trade way? Or do you really think it's so, you know, all encompassing? There's just so many different things that you can't really boil it down to I'm, one sentence I'm or one product indifferent. I'm strategically indifferent. And I'm an efficient market theorist. There is all tasty is is a series of optimal mechanics. And when you think about that, if you don't think that quote the tasty trade way works, I don't even know what that means, by the way. Exactly. That, right. That that it's just like, listen, you just don't want to, it's okay, dude. Like, you know, I'm fine with it. You don't have to turn it the fuck off and go do whatever it is you want to do. I don't care. Do it your own way. You know, like there's a million other shysters out there and snake oil salesmen and everybody else that'll teach you, you know, or crappy cable news stations. Go copy what they do. I don't care. Like, like I'm doing something that I know is incredibly valuable to the people that that have an opportunity or the patience or the desire to listen to it. If it's if you don't want to turn it off, I don't care. So when I first started out, and I guess kind of before the point of quote unquote, quote unquote getting it, I think in my mind, the the kind of pillars were in my mind the the whole sell premium number one, trade small, trade often, you know, rolling and all that. And now I know it's so much more than that. But and, and I think people are lazy, right? And and they they hear what they want to hear. And and there's yeah. what I call kind of shiny object syndrome, where when they first come into it, it's they're all excited and it's the shiny objects that stand out. But the shiny objects end up being the easy thing or, or the thing that seem easy, right? Delta neutral sounds good, but it's not really that easy, right? It takes a lot of work, you know? Um, selling premium, well, sure, theta works in your favor, but, you know, when it doesn't work, you're going to blow up, right? So, and, and I really think it's just a product of number one, being lazy, not knowing, you know, willful ignorance and, uh, and, and the, the quote unquote tasty trade way that quote unquote doesn't work. It's just a product of, Again, people hearing what they want to hear. Um, 
think yeah, you'll never hear me talk about that because I don't really care. I mean, listen, I could make an argument that there's not one single form of technical analysis that's that not only works, that's ever worked. I can make an argument that not one form of fundamental analysis has ever worked. Okay. It's impossible to make an argument that taste tube mechanics don't work because that's statistically all we do is based on math. So it is what it is. And all option prices are based on math. So that, I mean, tasty is the only verifiable approach. It's the only validated approach in the entire world. So I don't really care what other people think. And so kind of finally bring it back to my, my original two questions, what, what the outcome of people who follow tasty trade or just trade in general, the, the 1570, 15 distribution, you mentioned, you know, the top 15, this is the people who quit their day jobs, you know, trade full time and live the dream. And, you know, and you mentioned, sure, you want to put, you know, if you can to all do everything you can to kind of push people towards that top distribution, which is fine. Right. But for me, like what I thought about was like, my focus is re really on the rest, right? The, the 70%, if you can do something where you're a little bit more educated, you know, a little bit more about you're taking some action. And even if you can't, you know, hit it out of the park and double your money or whatever, if you can use a little bit of effort and you can grow your wealth in a consistent manner and you don't have to go all out and be a day trader and spend every day trading, if you can even use a little bit of effort and do some adjusting and have a consistent growth and have confidence and just have that, you know, you don't have to quit your day job, right? You can do your day job and you can still trade and do stuff and be that's all kind of all encompassing. For me, I think that that's a success too, just being able to empower people to do something and not just be completely passive or completely write it off. Totally agree. I mean, that's, you know, I'm that you just, you just spoke the words I've been talking for 20 years, hundred percent. Yep. And, uh, and I think that that's kind of a wrap there. And again, uh, hopefully, uh, people out there and just, again, I thought it would be nice to have a chance to you know, hear it from the top, I guess, if you will. And like I said, I'm, I'm on kind of the other side where, I've been through all that, you know, again, I credit everything to at least getting my start from Tasty Trade. You know, even if the way I trade isn't exactly like you guys, you know, on the surface, but the fundamental concepts and why I think the way I do, I mean, it's all rooted in the same stuff. So um, That's appreciate awesome. the time. And uh, so I'm David Sun. He's Tom Sosnoff. This is Truth or Skepticism, Trade Busters Edition every Monday, 1.30 Eastern. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, really, Tom, though. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to come. I know it was a little short notice. took a couple of weeks to get this together, but uh, really appreciate, you know, you're always generous with the time. So this is no different. Thanks, David. I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to, to, to speak my mind. Hope I didn't curse too much. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Take care, man.